Let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. It's my absolute pleasure to announce today's guest, Ciela Winter. She is a CEO, entrepreneur, inner work guide, and author of The Inner Journey. She's an astrologer and a singer-songwriter. She loves seeking the extraordinary in the everyday and weaving her inner work and creative inspiration throughout her life. We'll be talking about in today's episode, what exactly is inner work and how it's so much different than traditional therapy. We'll also talk about the inevitable death and rebirth cycle in every business. It's the cycle that repeats that is unavoidable and inevitable. And we'll talk about how to get through that and tools and strategies. We'll also talk about how we give our power away and also tools to reclaim it. So let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Ciela Winter, you know, it's so funny how names have a ring to them. Ciela to me, I learned Spanish back in the day. Ciela is like cielo, like the heavens. And then you have winter, not spelled exactly like the season, but we're going to be talking a little bit about the heavens and the winter today. <laughs> so it's like by no coincidence, right? And, um, or it's actually, it's, it's not a coincidence. That's right. So, you know, I, I introduced you before we got started, but you know, feel free to share any other details about, you know, your story and, and all of that along the way, because story is what I feel like when we talked earlier, like what we both share, we really love this idea of the hero's journey. And one of the things that is coming up a lot in my work, and I know in your work too, is just meeting a lot of people that are going through a winter, a dark night of the soul. And I talk about this a little bit in my book, how we all go through these seasons of life. These cycles are a part of nature. They're a part of our nature. And you and I were having a lot to dish about on our last call. And, you know, I would love to share some of those insights with everybody. Um, Specifically, I know you're going through this like death cycle of your business and so I'd love for you to, to share, you, you've already offered to be really vulnerable and to share some of these things because it's so important for us to understand this and put things into perspective. A lot of times we don't know what other people are going through because all we see on social media is like the spring and the summer. It's like the highlight reel, but you know, there's certain things we can do when we're in these dark times to get a to pull ourselves through. And I know that you help other people, other entrepreneurs and businesses do this too. So tell me what it means to be in this death cycle of a business. Wow. What a question, Christy. Um, Well, you know, first looking at death, um, 
death is one side of the coin and the other side is inevitable rebirth. So just to keep that in mind while we're exploring what is death, because death itself is the end of one way of being. It's the end of the old. It's, um, it's permanent in the sense of like, as if a fire is moving through that which is no longer will never be again. Yet on the other side of that is an entirely new possibility. And so I just share that because we often have a lot of fear about death because it is a threshold crossing. It is taking us into the unknown where we've never been before. And often the process of death has to take us into very raw places within ourselves, and, you know, having to cultivate and to draw forth a level of courage to be able to see elements of ourself that maybe we were not wanting to see before that the death cycle forces us to recognize because death is not just a happening. It doesn't just happen. It, it, it is a process that we go through layer by layer. And we have to be able to also to really, I would say, to benefit from it, you know, to embrace it, keep our eyes open during the process. I mean, what do we do when we're scared? We often close our eyes, you know? Yeah, we, or hide under the bed. Or under <laughs> exactly. <the blanket. laughs> but what if we could, we could carry forth in a way with our eyes open and learn something that we've never learned before, understand something about ourselves that we couldn't previously understand because we've never experienced this? What if we could do this without hiding? Um, and that's what I've been inspired by. That's what I've been kind of, bringing forth and calling from within myself as I face some very difficult death cycles. Now, as you mentioned, as a humanity, we could say uh, we have been going through a collective death cycle um, in this past year, year and a half, two years almost, um, just with what we've been navigating um, collectively, but definitely individually, because I don't think that there's anyone on this planet that's not being affected or impacted by this particular moment in time, which both bonds us um, and creates a lot of upheaval, a lot of self-inquiry, a lot of change, a lot of challenge. So as I'm, as you refer to, I'm going through a death cycle in my own business, um, I'm definitely not alone. And many of us, um, as you were also sharing when we were talking earlier, it's like we are even if we don't realize it, uh, we are going through a death cycle of sorts um, on one layer or another of our internal psyche. And it may not show up yet in our external world for, for the few of us, but many of us have been uh, seeing this in job transitions, relationship transitions, health transitions, uh, family, friends, community that are affected or impacted that also impacts us. And so, you know, for me, I have been, I, I almost want to say the word enamored, but it just feels a little bit strong, but I have been embracing the death cycle for some time because what death brings on the other side is renewal. And, you know, I have to pep talk myself through it often, um, you know, to stay present in the moment of that which I am letting go of that which is releasing or that which is releasing me that which is letting go of me 
because I think oftentimes we will place ourselves in the center of our own personal story. But maybe there is something bigger. Maybe there is something more powerful actually occurring where we are not the center of our own story, but we are the hero. We are the heroine. We're a part of a much bigger story. When I uh, started to go through this process with my own company, uh, it was difficult. It, it, you know, it, it can be painful to recognize I'm coming to the end of a cycle. The end of a cycle, it means I have to look at my attachments. I have to resolve that which is unresolved inside of me. It's a period of time where we have, there's a certain level of inner work, as I call it, um, to be able to really benefit from the ending and head into the transition so I can move through it more clearly and more freely to actually absorb and embrace the new which is coming without trying to carry on, you know, forth some of these elements that I'm attached to. And so I'm, you know, as we're talking, I'm right in the middle of that process. Um, and it, you know, some people do refer to this as a dark night of the soul. I do want to say there are many uh, different levels of dark nights, you know, and again, that can look that can happen because an external situation has triggered something and we're, you know, if we're focused on that external reality, uh, we may just live it there. But there's also other opportunities to tra traverse the dark night of the soul or, or going through that dark forest. And there is always light there. And inside that darkness is a tremendous amount of potential. And so as you know, that saying it's, you know, in order to ascend, you must descend that that descent can be so powerful, it can be so enriching, it can be very revealing, it can be extremely trepidatious, daunting, terrifying at moments, but I'm encouraged and inspired to support others to go through this process because I, I do understand through the various cycles that I've personally been through. And I see that in you, Christy, and I see it in a lot of others who are doing this work. We know what's on the other side. We know that if we can go through this, uh, we know that there's something better. There's something more true, more honest, perhaps, more aligned with who we are. I love that. I'd, I'd love to take people through a little bit of a journey. So I know you're in the middle of of this winter of this, of this dark night. And yes, there's de definitely different degrees of dark night, you know, um, a seven years ago, dark night might be not be the same dark night we're experiencing right now or, or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to get through a lot of times. It doesn't have to be, you know, like you said, you're embracing it. So what are some of the practices that you've put into place to help you embrace this death cycle as opposed to resisting it or hiding from it like a lot of people have the tendency to do? Mm -hmm. Great question. Well, I'll say that I'll start with saying that I have spent my fair share hiding and resisting. And at a certain point through my own inner process, starting to really observe myself, starting to really go into deeper levels of self-inquiry and understanding around the internal mechanisms, which have been, you know, kind of um, driving my ship, 
for a very long time. And that can look like fear, can look like resistance, can look like hiding. Um, and then in each one of those realms is a whole other depth of, um, you know, support in a way, what keeps that fear alive, what keeps the resistance alive, what keeps us from hiding, from expressing who we truly are. So at, this has been a work in progress. You know, I, it has taken me years to have deeper understanding as to why I've been doing the things that I've been doing. Why have I been resisting? What is it that I'm actually resisting? So, you know, what is it that I'm actually afraid of? What have I truly been hiding from? So I start by observing myself. I start, you know, whether that's in meditation or just in active daily life, just bringing more attention to becoming the witness of my own thoughts, my own emotions, my actions, my gestures, my behaviors, my attitudes, start with observing. And then through self-inquiry, starting to ask myself important questions. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And, you know, even starting to recognize um, that which I couldn't see before, because when we start to observe ourselves, at least in my case, I recognize just how much of the time I am not observing myself. So there's a lot of unconsciousness that can occur when we are not in observation. Then the self-inquiry helps to tie and create pathways of possibility there through deeper understanding. Um, so long, you know, long answer um, in synthesis, I would say, is to start to understand why we do the things that we do. And in that case, I no longer need to resist this process because I understand that it's actually for my benefit. The reason why I've been resisting it is because the parts of me that are, have been attached to an old way of being are fighting to survive. And that's what the resistance actually is. And so I have to find, I have to find a new relationship with that part of myself. I have to dig a bit deeper. I have to make a different choice. I always go back to this question. It's my favorite question, to be or not to be. And when I'm resisting, when I'm hiding, when I'm in fear, I am not being. So then what is another alternative that I can do? And for me, every time it has required a lot more courage to be. Yeah, and I think this quest that we're all on and we're all in different phases of this quest, there's like an, there's like almost like this macro quest going on from when we are born on this earth until we die, there's this macro quest. And then there's like all these little miniature quests along the way, right? These seasons as they turn over from one to another. And it's so important to keep in mind, like if you are in the middle of winter, it's, it's like that saying the darkest, it's darkest before the dawn. And, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about the signs of winter and the signs of spring, because mm -hmm. You know, if you think of it in terms of, uh, you know, seasons, the nature that we see outside of our windows and hopefully go enjoy and walk around in sometimes, right? Um, it's like sometimes there's the, this in between. There's like the fall between the winter. You know, it's like the in between those two seasons. And you can start to see 
the signs that winter is coming in that late fall. Same thing in late winter, you start to maybe see some flowers blooming, but then the next day you have a snowstorm and then the next day it's sunny. And so there's these places in our lives where we're in this transition phase, we're in this in-between and, and death to rebirth is, is the same kind of idea. It's this in-between. So Talk to us a little bit about like, what were some of the first signs that showed up before winter started for you, before this dark night death cycle started? And then talk us through like, where are you now? Are you starting to see signs of spring? Can you speak to that? Like, what are you expecting when you start to see signs of spring? That sort of thing. So I'd love to have a little discussion on this. Super fun. Um... Yeah. And also just to clarify for myself and what I've seen in other people that I work with, and I'm sure you've experienced this, that we can be in simultaneous cycles in different aspects of our life. Our relationship could be in spring. Our career could be in winter. You know, our health could be in summer. You know, so these, we are multidimensional beings. Fractal, right? (laughs) It's like the macro, the micro, and then in the micro, there's like all these other ones. Yes, totally. And so for me, let's just take the example of my previous company and as an entrepreneur, um, and I wonder how this is for the people listening to this and maybe how it is for you, Christy, but, you know, as an entrepreneur, it is uh, such an immense mirror of where I am as a founding CEO in my own personal life. What is it that I'm expressing? What am I manifesting? What am I materializing? And so as I bring forth something, it is such a direct correlation to what it is I'm most passionate about, what it is that I'm really interested in. How can I uh, make impact? You know, how can I be of service? And then the business that I'm creating is, is a result of that. And so We've had an incredible run for the last several years. We realized when we had into pandemic that uh, my previous company, Joan of Spark, was really um, capable of helping people to navigate through the unknown. Like that's a territory that we we understand very well. And yet, what started to, what I started to see is that we had created a very uh, boutique kind of experience that was not scalable. We could only support a certain Um, amount of people in the intimate capacity that we had created, as well as our branding being very niche. And so the signs just started to come in. I think winter comes in with some, uh, to speak of intuition, right? The intuition shows up and not necessarily how we always want it to be. Intuition doesn't always bring good news. It doesn't always bring, you know, abundance. It doesn't always bring that which we're, um, thinking, maybe we're thinking we're, or wanting to head in a particular direction, it may be asking us to let go of something so that something even brighter, more, you know, in alignment can show up. And so doors start to close. I believe winter comes when the opportunities start to change. There's a, there's a temperature drop, so to speak. And I was having dreams about this. I really, you know, shedding skin, um, you know, 
having a couple situations that were very difficult um, within team, within uh, certain departments, and just starting to see, wow, it feels like the walls are closing in. It feels like the signs are showing um, hibernate, time to hibernate, time to go in, right? So there's this, there's an energy that comes with winter. We're drawn to go inside. We're drawn to um, get into a stillness. We're drawn to kind of get deeper inside of ourselves. So that started to happen. And so because I've been through these cycles enough, I I was at least humble enough to recognize I need to listen to this and not resist it because, oh, I think it should go this way. But really, I think the key in moving through these cycles, honestly, truly, if we could do one thing is to listen, to listen to that internal nudge, to listen to our inner wisdom, to listen to our intuition, to listen to our internal guidance, especially when it's not what we maybe necessarily want to hear. And so then going into a, an exercise, I applied what we teach, you know, what I've been, what I teach, I teach around death, transformation, rebirth, these cycles and enjoying that process and learning, really learning how to fully live amidst the cycle and due to the cycle. And so I applied my own methodology on myself. And I decided, okay, I'm going to fully embrace this. I'm going to go into it. I'm going to go into this death cycle. I'm going to fully let go. I'm going to let go of my um, identity that's wrapped up in this. I'm going to let go of my attachments. I'm going to let go of my nostalgia. I'm going to let go of, you know, holding on to all of what has been so wonderful about this and just go through it. And it was painful, even agonizing, um, sorrowful. And yet I went through this process and I came out the other side feeling um, relief, feeling resolve, feeling new possibilities already, you know? And so those, the signals of, of rebirth for me are even inside the death process itself. And I, I work a lot with the metaphor of the chrysalis and, you know, when we're inside the chrysalis and we're literally in a dissolve it can be very disorienting, but there is simultaneously, there is a restructuring, there is a reconfiguring. So at any given point, we can bring our attention to the dissolve. And at some points, that's important to do. It's like a postmortem. What, what could have gone better? What are the lessons learned? Where have I been? What got me to this place? You know, doing a deep review so that we can learn and take that wisdom with us. And then also bringing our attention to the new, to the new tissues, muscles, organs, you know, forming. What is this new skin? What is this, the new internal structure of who I am becoming? So there's some, you know, inside that transit, there is a level of excitement that we can gravitate towards, even in the midst of pain. And I quite honestly, still very much in this cycle, even as I'm rebirthing a new company at this very moment, I am in the in-between, I'm in the metamorphosis, I'm pulsing between the two because I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. I love that. And you know what, what 
really inspired me about when we were talking before is you mentioned that through this cycle that you've been in, you've not only shed the old parts of you, but you've rediscovered parts of you that may have always been there, but you started to express it. Talk to us about this release that you were telling me about and kind of how that came about. Yeah. Well, so this is really interesting. And I find, um, especially as we go through a rebirth, it is very much like that. You know, there, I think when we're children, we had, there's a certain level of innocence and freedom that many of us, um, were able to access that then later, it's almost like we, at least for me, I can see, I went into an elongated winter, which was becoming an adult, you know, where a lot of my certain expressions of creativity or even, um, you know, inspired ways of looking at the world kind of took a different turn. I went deep into competitive sports. I went, you know, deep into, uh, professional career where I was fighting to have a voice at the table and it took so much energy to even just be there in the midst of very difficult power dynamics and it kind of sucked my creative juices dry especially having gone through a very difficult relationship that you know in the end was uh, very compromising to my soul um, so going through this death process now is a dream. It's a, it's a gift. It's a, it's a, and I have to remind myself of this because it is excruciating too. I don't want to make it sound like paradise, um, but it's, you know, what else would I want other than to shed the ways, the constructs that I've created in my own mind uh, to survive throughout my life now I have an opportunity to deconstruct that, to liberate myself from that. And in doing so, finding, revealing treasures that yes, were there before. And it's like this, it's a rebirth. It's also a homecoming. And so one of those for me has been singing. And I used to sing when I was young. I sang, you know, I was really drawn to jazz. Um, I would sing solos and be in uh, school plays choir. And again, it just kind of, it went into a deep hibernated state. Um, but in this process, singing has come back for me and it has been truly a lifeline. It has been like the, the sunlight pouring through the leaves into this dark forest of a night. And so I have been able to uh, express that. I've been able to bring that forward and you know what? Honestly, it has fallen into place because it is the time. It is in alignment. As I'm, it's like I'm paying my dues. As we go through winter and we do the hard work, you know, there is, there are results there. And to me, that has been freedom of expression. And I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm really excited about this. I have my first song, my first single, Cocoon that came out this past month. I have another one I'm releasing um, in September uh, on my Patreon. And then in October when we're, this is live, we'll be um, public with that one. And then another one in January, an EP coming out in the spring, hoping to do a album next year. And again, this is 
This is all about passion and it's about finding work-life balance. You know, I think another element of being an entrepreneur or being in business, many of us can um, fall into the space of bringing our full self into that which we're creating and working towards. And what I've learned is I also need to share that with my passion, with my joy, to, to, and then it can help rejuvenate. It can help to populate my energetic self inside of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. I love that. And it's a beautiful song. I downloaded it. It's amazing. The lyrics, the, the music, it's, it's all wonderful. And it's so true. It's like, you know, there are so many gifts in the death cycle of a business or of a relationship or of whatever it is, career, finances, whatever it is. And, you know, it, it is about keeping your eyes open for those small little miracles, you know, those, the, the sunlight coming through the leaves, because the sun is always there, you know, it, it doesn't go away. It's always there. It just might be behind some clouds. It might be just a little more difficult to access. And I love that you are really following your intuition and listening to those nudges, even when it might not make sense, like really, like I got to find a recording studio, like, you know, like I think I have other things I could be doing too, you know, but it's, it is so important to refuel ourselves and recharge ourselves. And I feel like that's what the hibernation is about as well. It's, it's about, you know, going within and finding self-care practices that make sense for you, which I do want to talk about a little bit more self-care um, because that has been for me going through a death cycle in my business, going through a winter that has been extremely important for me is just really taking more time to go within and to, and to really just be with myself and understand who I am at a eternal level. Who, who am I in a divine sense? Not all the social constructs and the conditioning and who people thought I was or who I thought I was because of expectation or some other thing, some rule I've been following my whole life. And that to me is, is one of the most precious gifts of a winter or a death cycle is that you do start shedding these things that are not you and understanding more about who you are. And you have a beautiful voice. And I don't know, maybe that's not something you've been expressing prior to this, like your voice, whether it's speaking or singing, but you know, the, the time spent here is never wasted. And when you, what I'm getting from you is just this beautiful story that you've been weaving that you'll, you'll be able to tell this like next evolution of your work because you're, you're using your own methodology on yourself. And I'm, and I'm guessing you're probably finding tweaks along the way. Ooh, I need to add this, or this would really help people. And that, that to me is very inspiring. So, um, what do you want to talk about next? You want to talk about self-care? Yeah. To what I just said. Yeah. I love, you know, as you're talking about self-care, I've really been looking at self-care as 
a necessity versus a luxury. And because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't take care of anyone. And especially those of us who are healers or in service or in activism, you know, whatever genre you choose to pour your energy into, self-care is so important. And so, you know, something that we've played with um, is self-care for society, you know, no longer a luxury, but really taking care of ourselves. Um, and especially, as you mentioned, in the winter time of life, you know, to really, it is an opportunity because we spend a lot of our time in summer, for example, or even as we're coming out in spring, um, interactive, we're interactive with others, you know, in our relationships, our community, our world, maybe we're more expressive in those moments. Winter is a very inward time. It's, it's such a beautiful, very intimate space to reconnect with what is most important to us. And so self-care, whether it's taking baths or, you know, lavishing ourselves with oils or reading or, you know, yeah, curling up and, um, you know, with our pets or, you know, taking care of something other than ourself, but as a way of nurturing that, that part of ourself, cooking, um, taking walks, being in nature, the, the wintertime is a really good time to reconnect with our ability to care for ourselves because also time is very different in the winter than in other times, other seasons. Um, it does slow down and it actually can, something I've been playing with recently of really understanding um, how time, you know, we have linear time, but let's just say you're in a dark night of the soul or winter cycle and you have let's say it's september 1st to october 1st and from the outset if we're not in a if we're just kind of in the natural rhythm of ordinary life that might feel like a month (laughs) however when you're going deep when you're in the dark night of the soul what happens september 1 is you begin to descend and you go down and you go down and you go down and my finger's still going down and down and then coming back up October, pull that. Now look out how much time we have just traversed. So it's not as linear as we think. And, you know, when we go into these different cycles, there's a lot of opportunity to do big inner work and that inner work can be, uh, require even more self-care. So I believe that it's uh, imperative to the service that we're bringing forth in the world is to do that, to start with our own selves. Yeah, self, self-care, I feel like is such a, there's so many myths around self-care. You know, people thinking it's like painting your nails or like going to the mall. It's like, no, I think that's like, you know, some cultural idea that's been put out there, but that's not what it is at all. And I feel like during my winter, my death cycle um, of my business, I came up with the most amazing stuff. Like, I feel like I have been downloading my next decade of material, you know, as far as where my business is going. And I, I, I feel like I've left the winter. Thank goodness. Like it's, it's not a fun place to be. But at the same time, that's where a lot of those quote seeds were planted, you know, the, 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 
the seeds that will grow and sprout and break through. And I've had many epiphanies, many ahas that I don't know that I could have had in a summer season where it's go, 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 busy, busy, you know, out, you know, speaking on stages or talking with people, you know, it's such a different energy in that season than it is for winter. So I love that you've really brought this forward. Um, now I would love to switch the conversation a little bit because I'm really curious about this and I think people would be really interested, but feel free to react on anything I just said. Um, I'll ask the question and then you can go which way you want to go. Um, so the question is, you have found, like I did, some really interesting synchronicities with astrology and how this plays into the cycle of our life. And some people will like, you know, think that astrology might be silly. And then there are some people that really like take it seriously I would love for you to talk about your theories and then we can let the audience decide, like, is there a little more to this than meets the eye, regardless of where your knowledge is with astrology? I, I feel like it's too coincidental to really overlook. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Wonderful. Um, yes. So right before I dive into the astrology, just something that you had said about you know the rhythm and the pace and what this where the seeds are planted you know the the dark night winter is the fertile soil of the cycle and that is where the seeds will be planted you know as a creative as an artist um, entrepreneur that is that's um a necessary element we need fertile soil to grow the seeds of our creation so i love you know as you utilize that metaphor um, and it's also a place where we transmute, you know, transmuting the difficult times, the energy, um, that which is so challenging into that which is beneficial. Um, astrology for me has been an incredible tool. And I really started to study it about 20 years ago and very more intensely 15 years ago. And the reason why was because I was getting some different astrology readings over the course of the years. And every time that they would look at my chart, there would be this one moment where they would literally drop, drop their jaw. And I was like, wait, you're not supposed to do that. Tell me what's going on, you know? And it all correlated to this particular time, starting at 2020, when they would be looking a bit ahead or see, they saw something. And, you know, now as an astrologer, I understand the necessity to allow uh, the person receiving the reading to really uh, find themselves in the map that you're um, disclosing to them, but creating that space. You don't, it's not about fortune telling. It's not about um, saying, you know, this is what will happen. You can see tones, you can see possibilities, um, but it's really not ethical to say, this is what's going to happen. And so they couldn't hide their own, internal reaction, but there wasn't a lot that they would say. So I decided to dive deeper into this science, this poetic um, expression. It's a language of the stars. If you love language, you'll love learning astrology. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's mathematic. It's artistic. It's archetypal. 
And for me, astrology is uh, a mirror of our internal psyche. So each of the planets are an archetype. Mars as warrior, as action, as masculine, Venus as feminine, as relationships, as value system. You know, where do these play out in our own internal experience? The sun, our, our will, our purpose, our identity, the moon, our emotional body, our intuition. You know, so each one of these represent a part of ourself. And so our own personal birth chart is a map of that first moment of breath that we came on to this earth from whatever vantage point, wherever we were born, we have a particular point of reference. And then our life is the playing out of that story in real time in our discovery of what is significance for us personally. What is our destiny unfolding? What is it? What are the lessons that we're here to learn? And I can definitely offer my personal testimonial to the precision of astrology. Now, astrology has given or received, I would say, uh, a lot of backlash because there has been a lot of abuse and, and distortion around astrology, especially in the realm of horoscopes, uh, prediction of future, you know, just there's just with anything, there's a there's a spectrum. So I would say if you're interested in astrology, you know, do your own exploration, find an astrologer, find those books that resonate with you. For me, what resonates for me is uh, the psychology of astrology and how astrology can be used as a tool to support my own inner work and process, not as the tool, not as the path, not as the answer, but as a mirror, as a, as a reflection for me to then go into my own inquiry and discovery and, and even challenge it at times. Now, I will say that, you know, my current dark night of the soul is very specific and it does correlate very specifically to a particular transit of Pluto and Pluto um, conjunct over my son. Now, Pluto is, you know, is a uh, Lord of the underworld, death, rebirth, transformation for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And the sun, as I mentioned, will, vitality, identity, purpose. So when Pluto crosses over our sun, they say you go into it one person and you come out another person. Now, Pluto takes about 247, 48 years to go around the sun. So not everyone has this transit in their life. Um, it takes, you know, 15 to 25 years to go through a particular sign. It's in Capricorn right now. Capricorn is the, um, the realm of politics and how politics, how do we express our understanding and our emotional response to politics is through art. So what we're seeing right now, what I realized was, oh, this isn't just happening to me as a Capricorn, but as Pluto's going over my son, oh, Pluto is, the United States is having a Pluto return. Now, many of us are I have a little bit of a understanding about what maybe what a Saturn return is, or at least that's more in the collective where Saturn returns to where it was in our birth chart. And so it's a time of us to align with our true Dharma, our true pr purpose in a sense, Saturn brings that structure. And so between the ages of 27 and 30, we go through a, a mini crisis of sorts to bring us into alignment. Um, our nation, the United States is coming into a Pluto return next year. 
2022, February, but we're already in that energetic. What does a Pluto return mean? It's a coming to a reconciliation of power. Where have we as a country been in integrity with our power and where have we been out of integrity with our power? So what we've been navigating through at the beginning of this decade has really been gearing up to this, this question that we are living in real time. So you can see the, the power of Pluto and you can see how, you know, the revolution that we're experiencing. And, you know, 2020 started with a Saturn-Pluto conjunction. As I mentioned, Saturn is structure. It's um, institution. It's what, you know, it's kind of that old ways of thinking and doing things. And Pluto's coming in to transform that. So, you know, I would say, you know, whatever you feel about astrology personally, it may be of interest to you to kind of explore as we're navigating such unknown territory that there is, there is, um, there are different ways that we can look at that. And astrology is one, one tool, one resource to help us gain perspective when we're inside of these big, big transformational moments. Yeah, and it is so poetic. And as promised, we talked about the heavens and we talked about winter today in honor of your amazing name. And yeah, I, you know, the when I really realized about the whole astrology thing, I've always been kind of interested in it. You know, I'd read about, you know, I'm a, a Scorpio sun, Scorpio rising, Aries moon. So I'd read about all that and that it was pretty interesting. And then bam, like end of 2017, 2018 came along. And I realized that this was not coincidental. This was a period of time where Pluto was square Pluto. And I actually was searching online about this phenomenon. And I was like, there's no way this is crazy. Like that was the start of my dark night, my winter. And um, and it's just been amazing looking at the transits of the, my natal chart and seeing like, when do I come out of this? Like, when, when is, when are things going to shift a little bit? Not that I hold it, you hold the universe to that. It's not like, I'm like, oh, it's going to happen, but it kind of has, like, it's not even a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, it just has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like there's such poetry in the skies. Like I remember watching this movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It was called the star of Bethlehem or something like that. And it was this, uh, Christian guy, you know, Christian, um, religions tend to kind of look at astrology, like, no. And it's, it's interesting. Cause it's in the Bible. It's like, so, you know, they would go to people who knew about the stars, the Magi, the three wise men looked at the stars and this guy actually went back and looked at the skies at that time and saw such poetry, like alignments with Leo and Virgo, the Virgin and Jupiter, the King planet, Leo's the King sign. It was just all this beautiful poetry in the skies. And um, if, if you haven't seen that, I would recommend it just from an, a purely astro astrological perspective is pretty amazing. Um, and just what you're saying about this country, I feel like we're also going through it on a collective level, like worldwide, as well as individually. It's like, where have we 
abdicated our own sovereignty? Where have we given away our power? We the people in the United States, where have we gone awry with how we've placed our power? And even like using intuition, it's like, how are people giving away their power or trusting in other people as opposed to trusting in God or trusting in themselves and having the ability to discern what they're seeing? You know, is that truth? Because there's so many, there's so many aspects of truth that we're being told, but maybe not the whole truth. Maybe we won't ever know the whole truth unless we go within and find out that truth for ourselves. So as we close, I would just love for you to um, talk to me a little bit about how we give our power away. Like, why does that happen? And how do we reclaim it? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up at that, at that point. Thank you, Christy. Yeah, this has been a very um, intimate subject for me. Uh, because I, you know, as an independent, strong woman, I found myself in a very compromised, very abusive relationship on a mental, emotional, physical, spiritual level, where I basically, because I was so invested in a particular mission that I thought that was giving me purpose that I felt very um, inspired by, I was willing to give up so much of myself And, you know, at the outset, when I was starting to first work with this particular organization that was very transformational in nature, and, you know, I could see people having powerful experiences, and I just, it really resonated with me. And I was in a particular moment of my life where I was able to to change the trajectory to align to this organization. And I became very close with the leader of this organization, who was then you know, became my mentor, my friend, my guide, eventually my husband. And in that process, you know, I was giving a lot of my, my internal vulnerable sharing over to him in trust that this was for my benefit and that I believed in what he was creating. I believed in the momentum of what I could see other people experiencing. Um, Later, you know, later on and year after year, I was giving and giving and giving through a blind faith, I would say, of um, not in God, but in this man who was presenting himself as an authority figure on God and became this kind of middleman type that I was then giving my power, my time, my energy, my blood, sweat and tears to. Um, to a point of where I was basically a shell of a human being, you know, over several years, it was just, I, I was wasting away and it wasn't until there was a particular moment where, um, the plot twist thickened and I became a threat to this belief system of this entire global community. And in that process, I was gaslit demonized, seen as a problem because I was asking questions. I was questioning the authority who happened to be um, this person at the time who I had been married to. And um, it was, it was a death. Talk about a death cycle, death of um, 
marriage, death of livelihood, death of community, people, you know, friends that had been in my, been my bridesmaids that I had been friends with before who I had brought into this community are still with him today. Um, homes, I lived in three countries, everything that I thought was important, I lost in that period of time. It was like a wildfire rushed through my soul, but I was still there. I was standing, I could see myself in the mirror, but that was the first layer of death of identity for me. And so what I did was I went into a winter, I went into a cocoon type experience for the next year and really started to ask those questions of myself. How did I get here? You know, what was, what was I seeking in that relationship? What was I benefiting from unconsciously? Like, what was I gravitating towards? Because I realized I had been a part of something. I had even supported and helped to build this organization for years, which was ultimately just serving this one man, you know, for personal gain that I had poured my belief into him. And so the, you know, I would say the, the real lesson here, why do we give our power away? Because I didn't believe that I had access to that same connection that I projected onto him that he had with God, he had with spirit, he had access to something that I felt that I didn't have. And I projected my power onto him instead of looking where it exists, which is inside each one of us. So I, I don't, I feel like this is actually very common. We look outside of ourselves for our own power. We look outside of ourselves for our own um, affirmation, you know, and validation. But really it's inside and inside that winter death cycle is where we can find it. It's that raw vulnerable state that we get to that we feel so, so um, naked in a sense. And there's nothing left until we find that which we've always been looking for. And so, yeah, for me, I think the reclamation of power then is to first acknowledge where we've given away our power, whether it's to a, lead, a spiritual leader, a guru, a politician, a, a boss, a brand in a relationship, we can give our power away. And so many, even our own negative feedback loops, where have I given my power away? Recognize that we have given our power away and then start that arduous journey of reclamation through inner work, through digging deep, through getting vulnerable, through um, internal rectification of a sense to ourself, like really forgiving ourselves, seeing where we went astray, where did we betray ourselves? You know, that question of self betrayal is really important when looking at the reclamation of power. How did I sell myself? You know, where did I give away this precious energy? Where did I give away so much of my time, so much of my value um, into the hands of another? and start to reclaim it little by little. And that, you know, I think even as you were sharing earlier, it's like the voice for me is a way of reclaiming and continuing to reclaim that power within myself, reclaiming my voice um, through speaking, through writing, through now through singing to, you know, bring forth more of who I am. I was in hiding for, I was in hiding during that entire time, I was hiding from myself. I was in hiding afterwards because I had been publicly humiliated. I had been, you know, kind of on display as the scapegoat. Um, and, you know, so I was tender 
to start coming out. But through cultivation, courage, and that now that faith in my in my own heart and in in the higher power, you know, having that courage to start coming forth and bringing that forward because it's not just for me, as you know, it's like when you share your story, Christy, I light up and I understand and I feel more seen and I feel also more possible because of what you've been able to go through, you know, and I, I think if we share our stories with each other, we just, we heal, we heal together. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and your, your courage to share these tough stories. Thank you, Christy. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to cry. I'd love for you to sign us off and tell people how they can learn more about you. And then also, I would love for you to end if you have a final nugget of wisdom to end us on a, a note of wisdom. Thank you so much, Christy, for having me today. It's really an honor to be here and I admire the work that you're doing and the path that you're on. And I'm excited for us to stay in touch and to keep learning about each other and keeping an eye on each other. <laughs> um, you know, for me right now, as I mentioned, I launched a new company. It's called Prism at meetprism.com. And it's really, it's a seed again of possibility of where we can learn from each other, grow together, share our wisdom together. Um, I've developed a methodology uh, that I, right now is called the process of mind that can help us go through these different layers of mind, regardless of where we are, regardless if we've meditated for 30 minutes or 30 years, it meets you exactly where you are. Um, and then it's self-paced, but community-based so we can go through it together at our own timing and really connect with other inner explorers and seekers on the path you know, really trying to navigate um, the challenges that come up on, along the spiritual path. Um, so find me there. Uh, Cielowinter.com is another place. Now you can find me on Spotify uh, with new music coming out. That is really what I'm calling transformative pop to bring forth new vision, new voice, uh, new possibility into music. Um, that's uplifting and inspiring and maybe a little bit provocative sometimes. And um, as far as leaving us with a message today, one that I've been really sitting with recently is, you know, we're going through so much on a collective level and, you know, as a humanity, and there's a lot to be, um, sometimes I feel disheartened about what I'm seeing in society. And I realize, like, I don't, currently have faith in society to right the ship. I don't feel, I feel like we've passed a threshold where we are at such a divisive state that there's not going to be this one societal movement that can right the ship. But I do have faith in us as individuals. I have faith in everyone listening to this right now that you can make great impact and change in yourself. And in, in so doing, make that impact and change in the world. I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.